Special shout out to today's episode to SeatGeek. We recently partnered with them to become a brand ambassador. What does that mean? Well, for you, it means you get a special discount when you make your first ticket purchase with SeatGeek. With my code, InjuredListPod, you will get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket purchasing app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets to your favorite sports, concert events, and more. They score each ticket on a scale of 1 to 10 to help you know if you're getting a good deal. Green is good, red is bad. My followers get $20 off their first ticket purchase using my code, InjuredListPod. Click on the link in the show notes and browse for your favorite events. Your next big night ever is waiting, and they have the tickets. Welcome to the Injured List Podcast, your source for all sports injury topics. For the weekend warrior to the sports fantasy guru, we keep you in the action and out of the injured list. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List Podcast, Brian Scott. What's up, everybody? Brian Scott, your host here, Injured List Podcast. And I know it's been a while since I put out a podcast episode, as I've been doing a lot of video shorts on YouTube under the guidance and direction and collaboration with Fantasy Sports Corporation, who's been nothing but phenomenal since we've gotten together. So looking forward to a long partnership there. In the meantime, um, let's get started with some NBA news right off the bat here. I know you guys are interested in that. The Knicks and the Heat series began today, Sunday, and Julius Randle was out with an ankle sprain, which occurred in game six or five, I should say, of the previous series against the Cavaliers. It was an injury that he had dealt with toward the end of the season, was able to make it back in time for the playoffs but re-aggravated it while, when he landed on an opponent's um, ankle and rolled it up again. So he was absent for game one, even though he was present on the bench. I, I don't see him suiting up just yet, although they did show him doing some, some shoot-around drills and stuff prior to the game Sunday, but I'm not so sure we see him game two. You know, the Knicks are pretty deep at the bench and, and can get away without him for a game or two Although you wouldn't think that watching them in game one against the Heat. And, you know, talking about injuries, the Heat have a few of their own. Biggest one being Tyler Hero out with hand surgery after he fractured one of the metacarpal bones on his hand and had surgery to fix it. They showed him on the sideline. He's still casted. Likely he's going to be out at least six to eight weeks from the time of injury, which is going to be way into the playoffs. So I don't expect him back for this series. And even if the Heat do advance, they, he might not be back for a while, if at all. Despite this, the Heat were able to pull out a victory. The unfortunate side effect or consequence of that was that Jimmy Butler, with about five minutes and 50 seconds remaining in the game, rolled his ankle on a play where he was just making a drive to the hoop and stepped on one of the Knicks 
player's feet and, and rolled his ankle, hobbled around a little bit, stayed in the game to take some free throws, basically stayed in the game for quite some time. And the Knicks never really attacked him, which I don't understand. He was obviously hampered by it, yet the Knicks never took advantage. And I'm not really sure why. R.J. Barrett was the one that he was being covered by on the offensive side. So when R.J. had the ball, he didn't really attack Jimmy Butler. And when he did, the Heat were switching off. So it was obviously affecting Jimmy Butler's ability on the court. And yet they didn't sub him out right away until they had the lead secured. So curious to see how he responds to this injury. He's certainly going to swell and stiffen up overnight. The question is, is he going to be ready for game two? Most surely he'll be listed as questionable. But I don't know how they can afford to lose him. He's obviously been their best player and has put, him, put up some amazing numbers in those last two games of their previous series. The remaining teams in the conference semis are all healthy. And that includes the LA Lakers, who I never thought I'd say at this juncture of the season. Even though LeBron dealt with the foot issue the last couple of weeks of the season, he, he's been playing well. They had a couple games here and there in the last series where they didn't look so hot, but hey, they advanced and they're taking on the um, Golden State Warriors who advanced today after beating the Sacramento Kings with banged up De'Aaron Fox. So it's no coincidence that the teams that are moving on are the healthy teams and the teams that are struggling or have some issues are going to be the ones that are going to have to grind it out in the conference semifinals here. So... Now let's uh, transition over to what we came here today, and that is my NFL post-draft 2023 analysis. And yes, I usually do a pre-draft analysis, although this year I was tied up with a lot of personal things going on. Didn't get to the pre-draft analysis, but I did do one for Dan Mater over on MD's Fantasy Football over at the Belly Up Network, so please feel free to check that out. I ran through some players on a list that we had discussed but this one's a little bit more in-depth. I got a couple of extra players we didn't talk about. I've also compiled what the issues were going into the draft and where they ended up getting, draft, getting drafted and whether or not I thought this was a good pick. So let's get it started. We're going we're gonna to hit it off with the defensive players. Then we'll take a short break and we'll go to the offense. So let's get through these uh, defensive players, shall we? To start it off, we've got Jack Campbell, a linebacker out of Iowa. He was highly touted, and a lot of teams were very high on him. He does have an injury history, however. In 2022, he missed a spring football game after having knee surgery, uh, of which that injury was not disclosed at the time. And they didn't ever really said what the procedure was, but it was likely an arthroscopic procedure. He also was coming off a UCL injury this past season, but in both circumstances, he didn't miss any games during the regular season or any bowl games for that matter. The elbow injury, which occurred in November, didn't seem to hamper his combine workout. However, he did skip the bench press, and it was likely due to that. That didn't seem to knock down his draft stock at all, as he was drafted number 18 overall by the Detroit Lions, whose name will pop up repeatedly on this list. So it didn't seem like the, they were too um, turned off by it. And let's not forget, he was a first-team APL American at his position, so... I think, you know, inside linebackers are hard to come by. And if you got a good one, uh, it might be worth taking a risk. And his injuries didn't seem serious, and it seems like he's a tough guy who was able to play through him. So Detroit Lions willing to take a gamble there. Up next, we have Tyree Wilson. He was an edge rusher out of Texas Tech. This is an interesting one because he had a surgery in November, 
by Dr. Bob Anderson, one of the most renowned foot and ankle surgeons, and especially in the NFL, as he's taking care of numerous NFL players throughout a very long and storied career of his, both in Green Bay and here in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. In fact, uh, he was the one that most people speculate saw LeBron James at the end of the NBA season for his foot injury. Sounds like he probably had some type of Liz Frank injury that required an open reduction in fixation. And then in March, which is about three and a half months after surgery, had what Dr. Anderson termed as a standard procedure to remove the hardware from this foot. And this was quoted you know, from a letter that he had sent out to all the NFL teams, which had become public knowledge prior to the draft. So he wasn't able to participate in the Texas Tech Pro Day because he was still healing from that second procedure to remove the hardware, which if it was a Liz Frank O-R-I-F, as we call it for short, then that's not unheard of. And it's actually quite standard practice. The risk that you run by leaving the hardware in is that it will break. And so most surgeons at about the three, usually three months, sometimes four, will do a scheduled procedure to remove the hardware and nothing more. It also gives them a chance to visually inspect to make sure there's been ample healing, although most surgeons will get a CAT scan prior to that to make sure. So this sounds like pretty standard procedure. In this case, youth is definitely on his side, as if you're going to have a Liz Frank injury like this and you're going to have the ORIF procedure done, in all likelihood, his joint was spared from injury, which is what you would hope, uh, best case scenario. There was some ligament damage, but hopefully all that has been healed well enough, and it sounds like it has. And the Raiders are willing to bet it did too because they took him number seven overall in the first round, so it, it didn't seem like there was any reservation on their part. Very highly touted edge rusher out of Texas Tech, so they didn't want to pass that up. I do have to tell you from experience, the younger you are when you have these type of injuries, the better you tend to bounce back. And if it was an extra articular fracture, which it sounds like it probably was, those are the best case scenario. Only other ones that usually are better than that would be uh, isolated ligamentous Liz Frank, which is not what he likely had because you typically don't do an ORIF and then subsequently remove the hardware for those. Next player up was J.L. Skinner. He was a safety out of Boise State who actually tore his pectoral muscle in February February, excuse me, while training for the combine, ended up having surgery to repair the torn pec shortly thereafter, which puts his timetable to return anywhere between six to eight months. Now, I do think this hampered his draft stock as he was picked up by the Denver Broncos in the sixth round. Even though he was a projected third to fourth round pick. So the Broncos were willing to take a gamble on him and hope that he makes a full recovery, which there's no reason to think he shouldn't certainly will affect his overall power output in his peck long-term. But is that really critical to playing the position? You know, it's an upper extremity injury. Probably not. I, I think this is a good move on the part of the Broncos. I feel like they got a good deal on this, picking him up in the sixth round, knowing that he's going to be out anywhere between six to eight months could be longer, but you know, an investment for the future. We're going to take a quick break right now for a little segment by our sponsors, and then we're going to come back with the offensive NFL draft analysis, post-draft analysis. This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? 
Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.theinjuredlist.com. Hey guys, are you looking to avoid injury when it comes to your finances? Talk to a professional who can help. Whether you are looking to get your financial house in order or simply looking for that second opinion, visit TrustTreeFinancial.com and schedule your free virtual consultation. Once again, that's TrustTreeFinancial.com. Special shout out to today's episode to SeatGeek. We recently partnered with them to become a brand ambassador. What does that mean? Well, for you, it means you get a special discount when you make your first ticket purchase with SeatGeek. With my code, InjuredListPod, you will get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket purchasing app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets to your favorite sports, concert events, and more. They score each ticket on a scale of 1 to 10 to help you know if you're getting a good deal. Green is good, red is bad. My followers get $20 off their first ticket purchase using my code, injured list pod click on the link in the show notes and browse for your favorite events your next big night ever is waiting and they have the tickets all right returning back to the nfl post draft 2023 injury analysis and moving along now to the offensive side of things Andrew Voorhees offensive lineman out of USC probably one of the worst things that could possibly happen is he tore his right knee ACL at the combine and this is one argument that could be made as to why is this even necessary to have these athletes be doing these skills at the combine when you risk potential injury which is career altering well This is a classic example and argument as to why they should not be asked to do these things. Keep in mind, if you read or listen to some of my old podcast episodes, which I've done in years past, I've given a very descriptive history of what the NFL Combine is. You can see those in the past episodes, wherever you get your podcast listening experience from. And uh, it it was primarily a medical screening is what the combine originally was intended to be. And then all of a sudden it kind of morphed into this TV ratings extravaganza where they made players do all kinds of feats of physical and agility and strength and all this other garbage. But, you know, this is one of the potential risks that can happen during the combine. And unfortunately for Andrew Voorhees, it did. Now, despite his injury, he was picked up in the draft. He was picked up in round seven, number 229 overall, by the Ravens after they actually traded up to use this pick. So he had his ACL injury in February during the combine and will miss the entire 2023 season. And this is a guy who was the 2022 Morris Trophy winner, which is given to the most outstanding offensive and defensive lineman in the Pac-12. He was also an AP first team All-American. Now, assuming he didn't have any other major structural damage to his knee, I would expect that he will return in 2024, ready to go, no issues, and will be a a huge steal for the Ravens having gotten him in the seventh round. But you got to be willing 
to not have him for an entire year. So I guess you can look at that as a good thing. You know, some people might not. Of course, with any team and organization in the NFL, it's always about win now. Don't wait. But potentially down the line, they could have a solid offensive lineman who they got basically handed to them, uh, assuming his knee is healthy and he makes a good full recovery and doesn't have any lingering issues as a result of it. Certainly at the lineman position, this knee injury is not nearly as devastating as it would have been if he was one of the skilled position players like running back and wide receiver. We know through research studies that have been done in the past that these two positions, the skill positions, tend to be the ones that are more affected by this type of injury over the long term than the less skilled positions like offensive and defensive linemen. So if you're going to take a guy coming off an ACL injury who's going to miss a year, probably best to do it with an offensive lineman who was very highly touted and fell to your laps in round seven. Now, the next player I did have on my list, but, you know, given his skill and his draft stock, I didn't think he was going to fall much. And he, in fact, did not. And that was Bijan Robinson, the running back out of Texas. He had been dealing with several injuries throughout his career, the most recent being a dislocated elbow that caused him to miss a remainder of the season in 2021. And there had been some concerns raised about his potential durability at the next level. But this has been kind of the case of all the running backs recently over the last few years. But despite this, uh, he was taken by the Atlanta Falcons with the eighth overall pick. And clearly they were not scared by any of the concerns of his injury history or the fact that uh, he might have been a little soft. But, you know, this does take a lot of pressure off Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter, by providing a legitimate weapon at the running back position, the question will always be durability, as we've seen with some other high-skilled running backs in the NFL the last few years. Uh, durability has come into play. So you can never, in my opinion, have enough good running backs at your disposal. Moving right along with the running back position, Kendra Miller out of TCU was um, another guy that I had on my list. Uh, he had missed the national championship game with an MCL injury. He did not participate in the pro day workout. He did post some Instagram videos of him doing squats with a lot of heavy weight on his knee, which, you know, I guess was done in an effort to show that he's completely healthy and should be fine. Didn't sound like he had any surgery to treat this. It was able to heal on its own, which is often the case with MCL injuries. He was picked up by the New Orleans Saints in round three at the 71st overall pick. I don't think this injury should cause any lingering issues, but there were many who felt that the Saints did overreach at this pick, given that his skill set wasn't really one that would complement the NFL style of play, although I do think he will complement Alvin Kamara very well. Let's not forget Alvin Kamara is getting older a guy who was very durable throughout most of his career last two years has missed injury for various reasons and missed some time, but doesn't hurt to respect the fact that he's a veteran and getting older and might need some downtime and have a adequate backup to kind of fill in the role. And given the nature of his running style and his frame, Miller does present a little bit different of a look for the running game in new Orleans. Should he get some time back there and take some snaps? One of the biggest drops in draft stock this year goes to Sean Tucker, the running back out of Syracuse. Now, he was flagged for a medical condition during the combine with what has been undisclosed, but reported as a medical issue. He did have a repeat checkup and was then cleared. 
he then performed his own pro day workout for teams so that he could show his skill set. What likely happened in this scenario, and this is based on my opinion, my experience, my expertise, not necessarily on any reports because the reports that have come out have been very scant as far as information goes. But whatever this medical condition was that prompted the red flag, I I can almost imagine that this was probably something that was not often seen, may have been something that the medical team at the combine or medical staff at the combine flagged because they don't see it very often. They may have wanted to get the input and opinions from their colleagues. They may have actually even presented it in some conferences at the combine because that does happen every year. It's a big medical conference that occurs throughout the combine where medical professionals often will present case studies. And this could have been presented during one of these meetings. In doing so, they may have had second thoughts and may have also recommended repeat examinations and follow-ups and some additional testing to further delve into whatever this medical condition was. And he was subsequently cleared, likely by an outside medical person not affiliated with the NFL, who then cleared him to have his own pro day, which he did. Unfortunately, it did severely affect his draft stock and who this guy was once a highly touted prospect fell undrafted and ended up getting signed by Tampa Bay as a free agent after the draft had concluded. Now, is he out of the woods? Probably not. I'm sure Tampa Bay is going to want to do their due diligence and get additional tests on him and make sure that everything that happened at the combine, all these other things that were done passed a sniff test. But if they do, and he is healthy as he claims, then I guess Tampa Bay will will come out a winner in this, for sure, as well as uh, Sean Tucker. He'll have the ability to prove himself on an NFL f- franchise on the NFL field of play. So that's good news for him. He didn't go unsigned, but unfortunately, it probably cost him a lot of upfront money as a high draft pick. And this is not the first time stuff like this has happened. This has happened in the past. There's been stories published about some linemen that had some cardiac markers that were elevated and then saw their draft stock fall dramatically. And, you know, we've seen this before. And we've seen this across sports as well. This has happened in the NBA. This has happened in just about every other sport where medical issues come to light that were previously not known. And as a result, it has caused the draft stock to drop dramatically. Speaking of draft stock dropping, the next running back on my list was Mohamed Ibrahim out of Minnesota. Now, he tore his Achilles in 2021, but did make a return and had a decent year. And, you know, there have been plenty of other players that have ruptured their Achilles and come back and been still very effective. Uh, Cam Akers probably being the most recent one in memory. And he's 23 now at the time of his injury in Ibrahim. So that helps. Now, he did go undrafted, and the Detroit Lions, there's that name again, swooped in and picked him up and signed him as a free agent. So the Lions, though, must have had him higher up on that board because they did actually give him a $100,000 guaranteed signing bonus at the time that they signed him, which indicates that at the very least, they probably had him as a seventh, sixth round draft pick at some point, and 
possibly because of the injuries. They were hoping he'd fall to them. But seeing that it was so late in the draft, they might have just been like, we'll take our chances and pick him up as a free agent. But they might have hopes of him actually making the 53-man roster. So not a total loss, but uh, I'm sure that injury, even though it was in 2021 and he did come back from it, still probably raised a a lot of red flags. Probably one of the more notable players coming off an injury was Hendon Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee, who injured his ACL, had to have reconstructive surgery back in November. (laughs) The Lions seemed to be repeating on that list, like I said, and they also picked up Hendon Hooker. They got him in the third round, pick number 68. And um, one of the knocks on him, aside from his injury, was his age. He's 25 years old. He's coming off this ACL injury. Chance that he's going to be ready week one, but not so certain. So I had already reported on this that I think he, even though he will be ready come week one, I don't necessarily think he gets in there. I don't think it would be wise for Detroit to play him very early on in his career. He'd probably best be have, not only from a physical standpoint, but from a mental and professional standpoint, more time on the sideline to kind of just get the swing of things, learn the pro style offense and, you know, gradually kind of work his way into a starting role over time. So we'll see how the Lions handle him. But don't expect to see anything from him during the preseason, at least not in game action. I don't expect that at all. Although reports are that he's making a miraculous comeback and is ahead of schedule. Now, as we move into the wide receiver position, I have two on my list, one being Jackson Smith, Jigba out of Ohio State who missed a huge portion of the 2022 season with a hamstring injury that was reported as severe, did not require any surgery, however. He he played three games and then missed the rest of the season, but he still competed in the combine, ran a significant 40 time. That was very impressive. And it doesn't seem like his stock really slipped at all. He was taken with the 20th pick in round one by the Seahawks. And despite the fact that hamstring injury recurrence rates in the NFL are as high as 30%, with a lot of them being at the skilled position, uh, the Seahawks didn't see any concern for it. Now, this could be one of those situations where he had the injury and he was looking to protect his draft stock and his NFL career by not pushing through that injury and coming back during the collegiate season. Because as we know, hamstrings take a long time to get better. And the collegiate season is not as long as the NFL. So why risk it? He knew he was entering the draft. He knew he had good draft stock. There was enough video out there on him. They knew that what they were getting. His camp probably felt it best to not risk anything if he wasn't healthy quick enough. And so, you know, if this injury kind of lingered for several weeks or even months, they probably were just like, let's just shut it down and prepare for the NFL and the combine. And That's what he did. It seems to work to his advantage. We'll have to see how he does. One of the other receivers on this list is Keishon Boutte from LSU. Now, he had had an ankle fracture in 2021, season ending, then required a second procedure because of some type of complication, although I couldn't find out what it was. Also had some ligament damage during that ankle fracture, which also uh, was fixed surgically. But it's been almost a year since the original injury, so there should not be any major issues at this point. Now, whether or not his draft stock fell, I'm not really too sure, but he was ended up 
drafted in the sixth round at 187 overall. Despite the injury, it seems like there were some other issues that maybe caused him to slip. Most notably that he wasn't quite coachable and he had some off-the-field issues that could have affected his draft stock even more than his injury per se. But you sprinkle the injury on top of it, then it just sours the taste. And I'm sure that when you take all that stuff into consideration, he probably should have gone higher, but did not. Now, there was uh, numerous tight ends that were highly ranked uh, this year, and two of them did have some injury histories. Luke Musgrave out of Oregon being the first. He had an MCL injury in week two last year and then never returned for the regular season, but he was cleared and did play in the Senior Bowl. And with MCL injuries, uh, even with surgical repair, and I'm not sure if that is in fact what he had, um, there usually is good success with these. So I do expect that he is 100% recovered. He was taken round two, number 42 overall. So I think his performance at the Senior Bowl and the Combine did enough to squash any injury concerns for the Green Bay Packers who ended up taking him. But then they also turned around and took Tucker Kraft, a tight end out of South Dakota State in round three, number 78, both who were considered very similar as far as their game, well-rounded tight ends who can do everything quite nicely, block, catch, etc. So according to the Packers GM, Brian Gutenhurst, they're both well-rounded and should complement each other well and should uh, help the Packers quite a bit at a position that they were in real need of. Uh, the other tight end and the final player on this list was Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. Now, he did not participate in the NFL Combine after he was diagnosed with some type of lumbar fracture that he sustained in the season finale. Now, depending on the nature of this fracture is the real key here. It was likely something minor that didn't involve any disc or any of the major joint articulations. Obviously, he sustained this injury in the season finale, so there was probably no reason to risk doing anything in the offseason to prepare for the combine, possibly aggravating it or causing it not to heal. But in any case, it didn't seem to raise any red flags for the Buffalo Bills, who used their first round 25th overall pick to take Dalton Kincaid. So we'll have to follow up and see how these players do as they enter their NFL careers. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Sorry I didn't get the pre-draft injury analysis out there this year, but you can follow Fantasy Sports Corporation, where I did talk a little bit about some of these players beforehand, and I do my video shorts on YouTube. So if you want more injury updates, especially as we get closer to the NFL season, tune into the Injured List podcast, Fantasy Sports Corp. Also, we'll be dropping injury updates for the NBA playoffs, so keep those on your radar. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay active.
You're listening to the Injured List Podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com.